Lamb as my shepherd from Revelation 7:17 and Psalm 23. Let's start together. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Lamb who was slain is my shepherd. On this earth he did tread. He had no place to lay his head. Into the dry desert of temptation he was led. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. His soul was crushed in Gethsemane's garden. He carried his cross up dark paths for our pardon. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He walked up to Calvary's hill on that darkest day. He was beaten with the rod while fear and evil had its way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He prayed. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He prepared a table for the one who would betray. His head was crowned with thorns, and the bitter cup was not taken away. You prepare, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely he was followed by grief and misery. He took our curse and gave us blessing now and for eternity. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the my whole life long. And together. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. And I always tell mothers, completely milk the day all the way to midnight. You know, and just say, hey, this is your day. So it's great. We're, we want to celebrate your mother uh, today, whether your mother's here or not here, uh, whether you have a great mother or a mother that needs improvement. Uh, it is great to celebrate this Mother's Day. Let, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate our mothers and celebrate this day. We just thank you. I ask you to be with me at this time in the next, next 30 minutes just to really anoint me with your spirit. We know, Lord, that the subject is, is hard for some of us, or some of us it's celebration. Whatever it may be, we just pray, Lord, as we leave here today, that we can leave feeling your spirit to dwell among our brokenness or our happiness or joy. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You know, I went on Facebook uh, yesterday or this morning, and I've noticed a lot of people will put pictures of their mothers on Facebook or their temporary profile. So I looked at this, and my, my, 
my um, mother-in-law just turned 70 years old uh, last week, two weeks ago, and Jennifer flew over there to spend Mother's Day with her last weekend. And then I looked at another one, um, which is Den Dennis and uh, Solis, where basically she was celebrating being a mother and celebrating uh, her mother. And then we had Dennis who lost his mother and celebrating what his mother meant to him. And so it's a great opportunity to celebrate wherever you are when it comes to your mother in life. Now, this picture of my mom, when she was preaching, my mom uh, was born in Belfast, Ireland, and uh, she uh, accepted Christ at a, at a street revival service at 12 years old, had a horrible life, but 1958-59 decided that she wanted to be a pastor in 1959. So she went to British Isles Nazarene College to become a pastor, and that's where she met my father. Now, my mother instilled, this is the last time my mother ever preached, and this was in 2005, and if you remember in 2016, I did a team preaching with my mom, and she was on video. If you remember, that was this sermon. But if you're brand new to the church, and I can understand Pastor Reuben, you know, he's been working with me for 15 years. He will not preach on Father's Day because he's lost his dad at a young age. And so now I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm going, Pastor Reuben, you're preaching on Mother's Day next year, and then I'll do Father's Day. But my mother has what's called stage seven dementia, which is very fascinating to watch somebody in the 11 years deteriorate from this and then continue to deteriorate. And you always want to hold your mother true to you. You always want to have these conversations with her that, that when you accomplish something, you go, I'm excited about this. I want to call my mom or I want to talk to my mom. But as of right now, she's in a, a home in Spokane, Washington, in stage seven dementia. Basically, you have no memory or no cognizance of whatever. It can't speak and you just lay there day in and day out. So, but I want to talk about her anyway, because she has made a great impact. I want to put the better picture up on her when she's speaking. It's interesting, my mother led uh, with this extreme compassion as a mother, but extreme toughness as well. You know, with me as a young age, I, I would say, Mom, can you do homeschooling for me? Because kids are making fun of me. I have a tremor. I have a learning disability. I would play victim all I want. And she goes, no, you're not a victim. You are a child of God. And you're not going to play this victim game. And so, therefore, she led with incredible compassion. But if it wasn't for my mom today, there's no way in the world that I would be up here preaching. There's no way in the world that I would have a successful marriage that I do now. There's no way that I would be who I am if it wasn't for my mother. So the lessons that we learn and that we do because of our mothers. I knew my mom was in my corner. My mom used to sit in the second row right there when I first started the church. And, and, and she was interesting because she would introduce herself as, I'm Kevin's mother. I'm Kevin's mother. And basically when she had dementia, I could sit there and clap and look at her wall and she'd go, oh man, the Holy Spirit just filled you, honey. The Holy Spirit just filled you. You were incredible. There's nothing I could do wrong in this girl's eyes. 
And so, therefore, I didn't make any excuses. And so two things that stand, up to me, stand out to me on how she led. First, she led with vulnerability, and I'll put it on the screen. And she also led her life with courage. Now, I look at this and I say, any mother lives a life with vulnerability and courage. Just to make a decision to have a child, to carry a child for nine months, and to not know what, what, how that child's life will be, that is courageous, don't you think? You know, uh, Sam Anna, uh, Sam Anna, I met Sam Anna about 21, 22 years ago, I guess. And I remember a conversation, and Sam, I thought I was funny, Sam didn't think I was funny. But um, I was walking in the Light and Life offices, you remember this, Sam? And I was walking in the offices, and I, I pastored that church for an entire seven weeks until I was let go. And then, I was, so I was walking in there, and Brooke was the principal of that school back then, and I go, congratulations, Sam, on being pregnant. And she goes, thank you. Then I had to say, hey, my understanding, I don't have any children, but it's going to hurt when you have that baby. <laughs> and she gave me this look like, you're an idiot. And pretty much the same look she gives me now. But Eden, if you look at her, she lives in Washington State near Seattle. Now it's interesting, not only it hurts physically to have a child, but it hurts watching a child grow up. It hurts watching a child have its feelings hurt. It kills you watching a child grow up and not needing to be held by you anymore. It hurts when your child moves away. Yes, it hurts, doesn't it, to have a child. In fact, Brooke is the one that's struggling with, the, with missing Eden. And so after 18, when you say, after 18, you're gone. You don't, you're not done feeling and hurting. And so if you look on the screen, to commit to love, Someone like that, without any guarantee about how it will turn out, requires a tremendous amount of courage and a tremendous amount of vulnerability to raise a child. Now, I think my mom, for me, was what I call a good shepherd. She shepherded me. And she had my best interest in me. And so she modeled how to live her vulnerability and courageous. And that's why I have, you know, people say, man, you're very open with your feelings and stuff. I've learned it from my mom. Because she was very vulnerable and courageous too. Because she learned from how to be a shepherd by Jesus, the shepherd himself. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I've been talking a lot about the risen Savior, and, and, and so I'm going to go a little back into the personal Savior, and where we have, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to bring it to a personal relationship with Jesus this morning. And so if you follow me on the screen, for many, the person of Jesus is the guide to knowing the reality of the risen Christ. Jesus is known as a good shepherd who leads us into life the way it is meant to be lived. He is the one who can lead us to live in, with courage and vulnerability. This is why the message, the title of the message is The Vulnerable Shepherd. Because in Revelations this morning, when we read the scripture, it says this, and I put it on the screen, and it's interesting that something just stick out to you. Now follow me. For the Lamb is the center of the throne, will be the shepherd. Now we think the shepherd is a man. 
male, and all of a sudden he's the sheep. The sheep are vulnerable. But somehow in the Revelation, it says our shepherd will be a sheep as well. He's in the center. Sheep are vulnerable, aren't they? In fact, it's interesting. If you look at the New Testament, it even refers to Jesus as the what? The Lamb of God. So how we approach this, if you look on the screen, lambs are completely vulnerable. They don't have many defense mechanisms here. And this is how you and I have been introduced to Jesus, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look on the screen. God all, God's all vulnerable. God's mighty power is God's vulnerability. In Jesus, God placed himself into the hands of human beings. And what did we do? We killed him. This as vulnerable as it gets. There is no love without vulnerability. And through Jesus, God demonstrated the greatest vulnerability and courage and the greatest love. Now, I hate to say this, but <laughs> then I'll say it. Um, but if life never kicks you in the butt, now I don't know with you, life has kicked you in the butt, and it's been difficult, but there's a lot of people who try to avoid it. They try to play it safe. Instead of getting in the game, they'll sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, and usually the ones that sit on the sidelines are the ones that have major control issues because they don't want to go through this stuff, so they sit on the sidelines. And see, the thing is, what's happening, you're not daring to live. See, I can sit there and be in a fetal position this today. When I woke up at 2.30 this morning, I had the most vivid, horrible dream of my mom. And I said, why on Mother's Day? And so I wanted to call and said, you know what, no, I'm staying home. I'm going on the sidelines. Pastor Reuben can preach. But you know what? I would be on the sidelines, wouldn't I? I wouldn't be getting in the game. Even if I didn't feel like it, we got to get in the game. And I honor my mother. That's why I got out of bed and stopped feeling sorry for myself because I'm not a victim. Get up here and preach the gospel of the good news. That's what my mom would say. And so this, this is... It requires courage. It requires vulnerability. And so on the screen, Jesus is what we call the vulnerable shepherd. Let's start. Look at Psalms 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for the name's sake. Now, I may be off in my interpretation here, and you can... If you're much smarter than me, which is not saying much, then you may say I'm misinterpreting. But I used to watch these dumb documentaries of National Geographic of these animals getting killed, which is stupid, but anyway, it's morbid as I can get. Where are they? They're at the still waters. They're on the green pastures. They're in the most vulnerable place of the day is when they're drinking water or they're eating. This is where it's interesting because you think about this land and the most vulnerable place for land to be is the most nourishing place to bring life to them. If you don't go to the valley, if you don't go through the pastures, if you don't go through the still water, you will never be nourished. You always be dry spiritually. But it requires vulnerability, doesn't it? 
It requires to go there and trust that God knows what he's doing when he leads us to the still waters, when he leads us. This is where my strength will be restored, when I allow God to move me in the pastures, in the still waters, where my vulnerability and openness will be there. It says the shepherd leads us to the right path. And then there's times like, I know, I, if I was God, I would make the right thing the easiest thing. Right? It would be right. It would be the right thing to do. It would be easy. But it's not easy. The right thing to do is a hard thing to do. And so the right path usually is not a path of safety. It's not a path of, of enjoyment. It's vulnerable and it's a path of being courageous. So back on the screen. If you want to be a life-giving path, you have to dare to be vulnerable and courageous. We often get one chance at this life. Why is it that most of us choose a path of safety? In Grace Trek, uh, uh, we had a prayer group, the prayer training yesterday, and I just, I love, I, I just sit through the whole thing because I'm not allowed to go in the classes. But anyway, so I can go to the combined class here. But the Grace Trek, what it's focusing on now is what is your calling? Because all of us have a calling in life. All of us have a purpose. God has instilled a deep sense of justice or beauty or something in all of us to make a difference in the world that we live in. And so therefore, it's very hard because if we don't embrace our calling, what we're doing is we're playing it safe. The thing is, my, my whole life, I try to hide. I wear a sweater that all the time that hides my hands from shaking when I'm in public, if it's cool, because I don't want to bring any attention to my disabilities. But what's interesting up here, you can't do that. Because there's a calling on my life that requires me to go to the still waters, requires me to be vulnerable, requires me to be criticized at times. But man, that's my calling in life. And so, therefore, let's continue. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they come from me. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here. But if you've been alive for more than two days, you're going to go through some rough stuff. It's not going to be, it's not going to be fair. There are valleys that we go through that I go, oh, good night, how big is this valley? This is huge. And now all of a sudden you look back and you go, I don't see where I began. And I can't see an ending. And over here, I don't even know which way to walk. There are some valleys in life like this. But here's what I'm learning that... There's ways that I can be better once I get through this valley. Because this valley will end. This valley, and <laughs> you know, it's almost like that old saying, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel, then you realize it's a train. <laughs> so, so uh, is that very optimistic that I am? But here's one of the things that I've learned when it comes to, to our valleys. It's on the screen. If you don't let a dark valley destroy you, it will teach you that you are not ultimately in control. And furthermore, if you continue to walk through the dark valley, eventually you will get to the other side of it. You will come to the other side transformed. 
You will become vulnerable to the point of having courage even when you know you are not in control of the outcome. As a result, you won't be afraid to actually show up for your life. Many of us, while we're miserable, we don't show up. You have an appointment to live today. Whether it's a bad day or a good day, you have an appointment. I've got to maximize this day. And if it's hard, I'm going to go through it. If it's easy, thank God that's easy. I, I look at it this way. I don't look at good days anymore. <laughs> that's 24 hours is too long. I look at moments. When I'm sitting there, when we have a, when I, uh, out to um, dinner with my wife, I go, snapshot. There's a moment. It's an hour, but it's a moment of the day that's just great. Or when I meet you and I talk to you and I'm laughing, a moment. Those moments are fantastic. And so let's look at the last part of this. Verse 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Now, here's a word that really stands out to me. Enemies. You know, all of us have them. We really do. I think I'm the most likable, lovable person on the planet. And my wife reminds me, not all the time. But what is an enemy? Follow me on the screen. How do I define it? An enemy is one who stands in the sidelines while you are in the game, criticizing your every move and hoping you fail. They are cowards who avoid vulnerability at all costs. They are like backseat drivers and armchair quarterbacks who try to shame the courage out of you. Shame the courage out of you. How many people have told you you can't do it? And then all of a sudden you go, you're right. Shame just dwells right in. And so if you look on the screen, Jesus didn't list to many of his haters. And neither should you. In fact, the, the thing is, usually the haters are the ones that are not living their dreams either. And not stretching out. They start off sentence like this. You know what you should do? Or if you were, or I wouldn't. Or why in the world would you think of doing something? Or that is stupid to do. You know how many people that come into my life that think they're an expert on how I should live my life? Have you heard that? And you're going, really? Why would I want your life? I didn't mean to point to you. <laughs> I had to point to somewhere. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're going, what's he yelling at me for? <laughs> Sorry, I, I got to point some other, other place. Okay. It's interesting because the people who do that game are the ones that are sitting on the sidelines. The people that are self-righteous, that are experts in everything. The people that are not going to get dirty down there with you. And so those are sitting on the sidelines because they are too afraid themselves. And you have to tune out those voices. Back on the screen. If you let people like to like that stop you from daring to live in vulnerability and courage, you will miss out on this lavish banquet 
of this abundant life of Christ. Now, all the verses in Psalms 23 have one thing in common back on the screen. Although the vulnerability is not removed, the presence of the shepherd is there throughout. He does not abandon the sheep. He is with them in the open pastures and in the dark valleys. He is with them when they are surrounded by enemies. He is with them. Why? Because he loves his sheep and he's willing to lay his life down for them. The vulnerable shepherd who is not defeated by death is our guide to abundant life. Why could my mother teach on vulnerability? Why did my mo could my mother teach on courageousness? Because one thing I listened to her wasn't her words. You know when parents tell you to do something but they don't do it themselves? Like those smoking commercials in the 70s? You shouldn't smoke, but they're smoking a pack a day themselves. The reason she taught this to me because she lived it even to the point of getting Alzheimer's. She was courageously facing that. You know, it's interesting. My mom, I would sit there and try to have a conversation with her. And I would go, God's good. And she'll go, all the time. And I go, are you serious, mother? Are you serious? But she never questioned God. She never tr did this. So she lived a, uh, lived a life of vulnerability. She learned to trust him and lead her to a vulnerable bold. That is what faith in Jesus Christ is about. So this morning, well, I decided that I wanted to preach. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I, I walked in the back there. Not saying hi to anybody. And I got to make changes in the sermon. I got to do this illustration. I got to do this. So I'm sitting on the computer. And I go, hey, Daniel. Because I have to say hi to him. He's sitting right there. And uh, he goes, hey. He goes, do you have plans today? And I go, no. I go, he goes, how are you doing? I go, that's a terrible day today. I go, you have plans with your mom? He goes, no. I stopped and said, your mother alive? No. So here's what the problem is. We get so self-focused in our sorrows that we don't see other sorrows. You know what I mean? So I pulled back. I said, when did your mom die? I was 12. I go, that's a worse age. Go, you have a picture? Show me this. He goes, that's me. I go, your, your mother's boy? He goes, yeah. I said, so am I. I go, how do you do it? He goes, this is hard. Pain doesn't go away, does it? Nope. You learn to manage it. I just connected with someone there. They connected with me today because of vulnerability. You see? Not, I'm going to project, hey, I'm Mother's Day. It's great. But man, it's a celebration as well. It's a celebration as well. You know what? I, I, I had the 
uh, ability to cel uh, celebrate Tina, Tina's pregnancy. Tina's expecting her second child today. Not today, but she's <laughs> she came to church and is expecting today. Man, they've produced beautiful children. There's no way in the world that this second child, this is a boy or a girl, you keep it a secret. Man, just as I can celebrate. I can celebrate. I can celebrate Cindy, that Cindy had been sober for over a year, and she made that commitment for her children. I can celebrate that. And so therefore, she, she has this Mother's Day. So I'm going to close today. And this is going to be emotional. This is going to kill me. Eva, if you can come forward. Eva has lived this message of vulnerability and authenticity. Come on, you can stand with me. You like me, don't you? I give you hugs all the time. Eva, or Eva, I'm sorry, I call you. Okay. Uh, Eva's son. Uh, you've been going to this church for a long time, 18, 17 years. And uh, her son is incarcerated. He came out and then got incarcerated again for a long time. That kills a mother. But her son has two children that she's fought to keep them together. These are the two children. She, has, she is on a mission. As of Friday, correct? She's her official mother. <laughs> the adoption went through on Friday. And she told me this. And I go, man, it hasn't been an easy life. But she loves her grandchildren. And so she will lead. She will lead with vulnerability, she will lead with courage because she wants these kids to be together. And so if you don't mind if we can stand up and pray for this, this new family, a new mother, or on the grand, grandmother, a grandmother and a mother. And so if you don't mind just putting your hands out towards her and let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this just beautiful family. We thank you, Lord, that you've made it clear, let the children come unto me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God is theirs. And we just pray, Lord, that Ava will still be the mother that you called her to be with courageous and authenticity. We know, Lord, it's not easy. But we just thank you, Lord, for her love for her grandchildren. We just thank you, Lord, for this precious boy and this precious girl. We ask you to protect them. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen.